Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us online to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. Good morning, church. Today's scripture readings from Jonah 2, 1 and 2. Again, that's Jonah 2, verse 1 and 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish, and he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of the Sheol, and you heard my voice. Those of you on the lanai, can you guys hear me okay? Things going good out there? Sweet. Those of you online, I'd ask, but I wouldn't hear from you, so hope you can. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Jesus, we come to you recognizing our complete dependence on you, the sustainer of all things, the sustainer of our lives, of our souls. Lord, with the scripture that Michael read, Lord, we are cognizant that many of us, our loved ones, are in distress, in a belly of a fish, crying out to you. And Lord, as a church family, we, um, we come before you and just claim our complete dependence and trust in your provision for our lives. Lord, for others of us who um, may not be in a moment of distress, we also declare our complete and utter dependence on you for all things. Lord, we cry out to you and we ask that you would hear us and that we would respond to you appropriately. Lord, we thank you that you've given us your word to penetrate our hearts. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit to convict us in sin, righteousness, and judgment. We ask that you would do that this morning as we look at your word together. Lord, would you use me as a vessel to share your word faithfully and truthfully, and that myself and my brothers and sisters may be changed, and that we might share your truth with those around us this week. Lord, let your word not stop here and this morning in this room, but Lord, would you let your word and this truth go forward in each of our lives, in the communities that we're in, in the neighbors and our coworkers. Lord, for those who are uh, not with us in person, but with us in spirit. Those who are joining with us online, we ask that you would bless and minister to them as well. Speak to each of them. Let the internet connection stay strong. Um, for those who are not with us um, online, maybe they've moved or elsewhere, Lord, we ask that you would minister, encourage, and challenge them today as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you've been there. Or maybe you're there right now. You're going through the hardest moment of your life. Your deployment, your new duty station got changed at the last minute. And all your preparations of the last few months thrown out the window. 
Your company is considering requiring vaccines for employment, and you aren't, nor will you be vaccinated. Will you lose your job? Will you lose your house? Your husband or wife is leaving you for someone or something else, leaving you and your kids alone in the wake of their destruction. Your boss has taken the wind out of your sails by their words or their lack thereof. You're waiting for that doctor to call you to let you know what the lab results are. Or for you, your life's actually going just fine. Maybe you're not in the belly of a fish right now. No distress. But you do have a friend, you have a loved one, a son, a daughter, mom or dad, who is going through that. Or maybe you don't know anyone who's going through the hardships that this life brings us, but when you look around at our society and you realize the brokenness that we're experiencing so much that we can't even converse about the things that are important, and you realize that we as a society have not been following this book, and we shouldn't be surprised that we all find ourselves in one really big belly of a fish. And so you... Like Jonah, call out of your distress to the Lord, and what will God do? And he's wondering, what will you do? Last week, as we looked at God's word together, we discovered that Jonah was trying to flee from the Lord's call, flee from the Lord's presence. God said, Jonah, I got a mission. Go save 120,000 Ninevites. It's going to be great. And Jonah says, nope, I'm going this way over to Tarshish. See ya. And if we remember how the story goes, the Lord appointed. He had a plan. He appointed a fish to swallow Jonah. And what was the darkest moment of Jonah's life was actually his best because he was swallowed by the relentless grace of God, and God gave him a second chance. But will Jonah repent? Because by rebelling against God, Jonah was becoming a spoiled piece of clay. And if you remember Jeremiah 18, God is the potter, and you and I and Jonah are the clay, and he is shaping and forming us to fulfill his plan of relentless grace. But if Jonah doesn't repent, God is going to reshape Jonah into a vessel of wrath for God's plan and God's purpose, Romans 9. And our text today is the very next two verses after our text last week. Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read those again for you. Jonah 2, verse 1 says this, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish, and he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord. But what happens next? Last week I shared with you my own journey of crying out to the Lord from the belly of a fish that I was in after walking away from Jesus for eight years and walking towards my own plan for my life. And I was paying the piper. And I can tell you, it's very nice to read a journal entry after the entry has been done, and you like the ending. But Jonah doesn't know how his journal entry will end. And so put yourself in his shoes for a moment. You're sitting, maybe you're laying, you're in the belly of a fish, you're calling out to God, but you can't open your mouth because when you do, fish vomit goes into your mouth. You're scared, you're, you're, you're weeping, but you can't open your eyes, you can't rub your eyes because your eyes are burning from the digestive acids. And you can barely choke out a whisper crying out to God, will he even hear you if you're 200 feet under the sea out of the rebellion 
that you did running away from the Lord. In that moment of distress, you might feel how Jonah felt. And we get a picture of Jonah's journal entry. He shares it with us. He gives us a prayer. Jonah chapter 2, verse 4. Jonah is honest, and he shares with us how he felt in that moment. He says, So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Jonah thinks, feels, believes that he's alone. But isn't that what he wanted all along? We just came out of Jonah chapter 1. We remember the verses. We remember verse 3 of chapter 1, that Jonah rose up to flee Tarshish from the presence of the Lord to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. It's like on repeat. He's going away from God's presence. Verse 10, the men, the sailors, they knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them. Jonah knows he's going off, gone off the deep end, but has God abandoned him? And isn't that what he wanted? You know, Jonah, he's a, a prophet of God. He knows the Psalms. He's memorized many of them, as we'll see in a little bit. What if he memorized Psalm 66, verse 18? It's a good one for us to memorize. Go ahead and turn there. It's uh, back a few pages from Jonah. This is one we're slowing down. This is one that you can pull out your highlighter. Jonah 66, verse 18. If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. And Jonah, if he remembered the psalm, that is scary for him. And this is a scary verse for you and me as well. Because if you are in deliberate, continual, unrepentant sin that you've just grown accustomed to and you're okay with because that's just who you are, Psalm 66, 18 is a little scary. Have you regarded sin in your heart? And for us husbands, by the way, it's a little bit scarier because there's a specific sin that can hinder our prayers. Go uh, to the end of the Bible, 1 Peter. It's got a good name for the book. 1 Peter, chapter 3, verse 7. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman. And show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that, show her honor so that your prayers will not be hindered. Sin hinders your prayers. And if Jonah didn't remember that little psalm, surely he remembered the example of King Saul of Israel. Those of you that know the story of Saul, for years he lived in rebellion, walking away from God's plan walking towards his own, and now he's paying the piper, and he sees the Philistine army coming against him, and he gets scared, and so he cries out to God. 1 Samuel chapter 28, verse 6. When Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him. You see, it's not just a psalm that God says he won't hear you. It's the example of the first anointed king of the nation of Israel cried out to God, and God did not hear. Jonah's experience is that God is gone. And in the darkest moment of your life, you might feel that God has abandoned you as well. You've cried out to God. You've asked him over and over, and it feels like he isn't answering you. You've asked him to heal your marriage. You've asked him to heal your grandpa. You've asked him to bring a friend into your life so you're not lonely. But your marriage is still crumbling. Your grandpa is getting sicker, and you're still alone without a friend. Does God see? Does he hear? Does he care about what you're going through? 
Is the Lord going to hear Jonah's cry? Well, let's read. We get his journal entry. Jonah chapter 2, verse 7. Jonah lets us in. He says, while I was fainting away. That, that, That moment of fainting away, that's the moment of death. It's coming. It's here. This is it. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. And if you remember in the Old Testament, the holy temple is where God's presence was. And here, Jonah's prayer has reached the very presence of God. When he, when he had nothing left, he remembered the Lord, and he prayed, and God heard his prayer. Which brings us to our first truth today in your sermon outline, PDF online, by the door if you grabbed one. In your distress, remember Jesus. In your distress, remember Jesus. Because he's there. We get another perspective of that moment from his journal entry. Jonah chapter 2, verse 2 says this I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried help from the depth of the Sheol, that's the place of the dead, and you heard me. God heard Jonah. And not only that, God actually answered Jonah. Imagine that. So we, we looked at what can make God not answer your prayer. What hinders your prayer? Unrepentant sin, regarding sin in your heart and being okay with it, hinders your prayer. So what helps your prayer? What kind of prayer is acceptable to the Lord? What kind of prayer does the Lord hear and does the Lord give answer to? Well, in Jonah chapter 2 in his prayer, we, we see four different Hebrew verbs that are used to describe the way that Jonah addresses God. So different, different words. Um, verse 1 says Jonah prayed to God. The Hebrew word is up there. I don't know how to say it. Maybe palal. And it's, it's a request for help. It's just a dependence. I'm helpless. I need help. I trust that I'm going to get some help. And then we see in verse 2, he called out by name. Karah, the Hebrew word. He called out by name. Not just I need help from some ambiguous higher power. No, I need help from you and you alone, Lord. It's a directive prayer straight to God himself. A little further on in that same verse says, I cried out for help. Savah. It's, that's the pillow. That's the pillow cry. Ah, I need help. You can't get out good polished words, but you're just letting it out to the Lord. And then a little bit later, verse 7, tapila is the, the Hebrew word, my prayer. And we get this idea of a hymn, a psalm, a, a well-composed piece of work, a piece of poetry that you spend time polishing and crafting beautifully. And we see that Jonah did all four of these in his prayer. The majority of the prayer is that hymn, that, that, that psalm. We, we see that Jonah quoted over 20 different psalms in this prayer. And God heard him. But sometimes you might not have time to craft a polished prayer. Maybe you just don't pray good. And all you can get out is, Lord, save me. Like the Apostle Peter when he stepped out of the boat and he's walking toward Jesus. And then he starts thinking, Lord, save me. Jesus heard him. Jesus answered him too. It doesn't matter what type of prayer you pray, whether if it's polished or crass, what matters is that you remember the Lord and you direct your prayer to Him. In your distress, truth number two, in your distress, cry out to Jesus. 
cry out to Jesus. God welcomed the prayer of this rebellious man. And not only did he hear it, he answered him in two ways. The first way is that God saved him. He was literally going to drown. God appointed a fish, saved his life. Probably a good answer. Jonah liked that one. He also answered him with verse 10. He answered him with some black coffee with no cream or sugar, a way that he probably didn't like. And we see as we move through this book that he didn't like this answer. Verse 10, God answers Jonah. He says, Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. Jonah remembered the Lord. He cried out to the Lord. The Lord heard. He gave him an answer. He said, Go to Nineveh. And Jonah didn't like that too much. So if you will agree that in your distress, God invites you to remember him and cry out to him, what do you do when God gives you an answer? What do you do with God's answer? Uh, some of you guys in the middle or maybe online, you saw my beautiful little daughter, Amara, spinning during the worship. Uh, Amaris is three. Raise your hand if you've ever had a three-year-old in your house. Okay, if, that qualifies you to be a preacher, just so you know. You get all sorts of good stories, and you ask them, can I use that in my sermon? They say yes every time. It's great. Amaris is the best. Her, her middle name means, is Joy Kahealani. It means uh, joyful heavenly song. I, I'm amazed, and I can't wait to see what the Lord's going to do with her. But right now, the Lord's working on some sanctification in her life, and I get to see it lived out before me every single day. So this week, uh, good old Amaris, Thursday, we come to the breakfast table. Breakfast at the Kaiser Halle every day is eggs, oatmeal, and fruit. Pretty easy, simple, and it's just on copy and paste, except for on Fridays, our day off, and we, we splurge and we give the kids like Lucky Charms or some kind of cereal. They think we're the best. It's awesome. But Thursday, eggs, oatmeal, fresh fruit. So we make it. We're all sitting down. We're all eating. Truick gets done eating all three. Dad, can I have some yogurt? Oh, I guess we got yogurt in the fridge. Mom splurged. Woohoo! We got Trobani. Go get it, buddy. And he's eating his yogurt. Brave gets done. He eats his eggs, oatmeal, fruit. Dad, can I have a yogurt? Sure, buddy. He goes, gets his yogurt. Amaris is sitting there. Dad, can I have some yogurt? I look over. She still has her eggs, oatmeal, and fruit on her plate. I go, after you finish your food, sweetie. Okay, so she eats her grapes. And she's like, can you help me with the eggs? So I help her with the eggs. And then she runs off and she goes, plays Legos or something. Okay. One thing you got to know about Brave is Brave is the king of oatmeal. And Brave's like, Dad, I want Amaris's oatmeal. And I'm like, okay, well, hey, Amaris, can Brave eat your oatmeal? He's still hungry. Sure, Dad. I'm like, but listen, if Brave eats your oatmeal, that means you can't eat it, which means that no matter what, you are not getting yogurt today. Super clear. That's fine. She says, okay. Brave eats the yogurt. I mean, eats her oatmeal. We just go on playing Hot Wheels. Fast forward a few minutes, Miss Amaris comes back, and she's like, hey, Dad, I want yogurt. And I go, oh, sweetie, you can't have yogurt because Brave ate your oatmeal, and you didn't. There's no way you can have yogurt today. And she walks over to the fridge, puts her hand on the handle, and she sits there, and I can literally see the gears turning in her head. She looks at me, I look at her, and Miss Amaris has one of three options in this moment. One. Open the fridge, grab the yogurt, run down that hallway that you saw a picture of. Two, she could pound and scream, have a temper fist. Three, okay, Dad. And she could walk away, maybe a little bit hungry for the day. Well, 
Jonah has the same options before him with God's answer to his prayer. Let's see what Jonah does. Like I said, we have Jonah's entire prayer recorded for us. It's the whole of seven verses. And we're going to see how Jonah responds to God's answer. All right, so go ahead. As I'm reading, I'm going to read his prayer to you. Um, Just be paying attention to what he does with God's answer. Listen to his wrestling. This is his prayer, Jonah chapter 2, verse 2. I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. You heard my voice, for you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again towards your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountain. The earth with its bars was around me forever. But you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving that which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. What did Jonah do? We see he was honest about his situation. He says, you cast me into the deep. The current engulfed me. He recognized that God was doing this to him. We see that he gave thanks to God in verse 9. We even see that he surrenders his actions to God's plan. Verse 9 says, that which I have vowed, I will pay. Okay, I'll do what you said. My actions, you have them. He even declares the truth of all truths. Salvation is from the Lord. And God had saved Jonah. And God wants to save the Ninevites. And God has saved you. And God wants to save you. But one thing that strikes me as odd is Jonah never confessed his sin. He never owned up to it. He never said, I did that which was wrong. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And he never surrendered his heart to the Lord. So what about you? In your distress, have you surrendered your heart to God's answer? If you're in the middle of one of the hardest moments of your life, you've remembered God, you've cried out to him, He's going to give you an answer, but you might not like it. Isaiah 55, 8, verse that we looked at last week, says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. God's answer is not always the answer you want, and you may not like it. The lab results come back with that diagnosis. You don't get that promotion at work. Your spouse does walk away from you and your family. America doesn't go back to normal. And you lose your freedoms if you get the vaccine or you don't get the vaccine. But you have the same three choices that Miss Amaris had. One, you can keep trying to do it your own way. You can rebel against God and try to make it down that hallway before God makes it. Two, 
You can have a temper fit. It's not fair, God, and you can grow bitter, you can grow salty in your heart, and you can walk away from the fellowship of the saints. Walk away from God. Or three, you can surrender to God's answer. In Genesis 32, we have a beautiful picture of a man wrestling with God's answer for his life. We have Jacob, the, the father of, of our faith, whose name means supplanter, one who usurps authority for his own gain. And he finds himself wrestling with God and with God's answer. And this is the example that we're left with. Genesis 32. I'll just read you a few verses from this. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh, so the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what's your name? He said, Jacob, supplanter, usurper of authority. And he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, governed by God. For you have striven with God and with man and have prevailed. God might not answer the way you want him to answer. And it is okay to wrestle with God and with his answer. And I'm happy to report for Amaris a win, by the way. She said, okay, Dad, and she went and played Legos, and we had a happy day. And she received my blessing for the day. So the question and the final truth of today's passage that I leave you with is in your distress, have you surrendered to Jesus? Have you surrendered to Jesus? Would you pray with me? If you're here and you have never surrendered to Jesus, would you pray something like this? Would you say, Jesus, I do surrender. I am sorry for the ways that I have wronged you. Please forgive me. Thank you for giving me a new life in you. Lord, the rest of us, we cry out to you and we declare our dependence and our trust on you, Lord Jesus, regardless of the answers that you give us. Lord, help us to be filled with your spirit so we may trust and rely on you with our lives. It's in Jesus' name, amen.